Good morning, Grace. Hi. How are you today? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? <laughs> I'm fantastic, thank you, and welcome to our listeners and today's episode of Can You See What I See? Vicki Scott here, and today my co-host Grace Hart and I want to talk about joy and laughter. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> Last week, Grace, um, you and I talked about how we separate from ourselves and others. And I know we both felt the energy drop as we did it at one point. So we decided to look at some of the tips and tools and techniques that we can use to change the energy when we know it's not really serving us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? Great. Mm. (laughs) And I thought about, well, what's the world that I can see? And I think it is one where we all have the tools and techniques available to us just to enable us to experience all the human emotions, but at the same time, you know, we're able to make conscious choices of not staying stuck for too long in those ones that we that just don't make us feel good. What do you see? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really important to honour this suffering. And when I say honour the suffering, I'm not meaning make a story into it or become a victim to it. However, what we tend to do when we are hurting is we like to jump to What's the you know what's right about this? What's the gratitude? And you know how can we change this? And all of those are absolutely vital and important. But the first stage is the acknowledgement, and we don't really tend to like to sit in the uncomfortableness of we've just been lied to or betrayed or you know whatever it is that's caused your trauma or suffering. Mm. Yeah. Well, before we get into that, do you think? Could you tell me some more about, um, we've also talked in previous podcasts about not having the energy to make a choice to leave a yeah. situation. Um, yeah. But then you and I talked about we felt the energy. So can you yeah. tell me a bit yeah. about the difference as you see it? So as you know, guys, we're not super qualified at anything. We're just sharing what um, is true for us. And if it inspires you, fantastic. Um, So we're not scientists. (laughs) I don't know about energy from that perspective. However, when I talk about my energy, I'm talking about my body, the the energy in my body, and also in the field around my body. So, you know, spiritual people might call it an aura or an energy field. And, um, And so when, you know, we feel something, it can, be, it can be felt in our body um, or in that field. And what I've noticed is that whenever you want to create or generate something, you might have the cognition, you might even have the finances, you might have the abilities, but if you don't have the physical energy in your body or the energy in your field to create that or choose that or leave that or change that, it's not going to happen. Very much like the frog in water, um, even if it knows it's dying, it can't hop out unless it's got the energy to hop out of that boiling water. Then there's the field, you know, the, the around us. Now, what I mean by that is, um, you know, the quantum field or, the, you know, if you imagine the universe and so basically the space other than <laughs> your immediate, you know, body field. And, um, and when we were talking last week about separation, separation creates that loss of energy in the field. Um, you know, when you're chatting with somebody and if they're distracted or they've pulled away energetically, you feel it. And that's you picking up the energy. And yes, you might be reading their body language or seeing that they're looking away from you or whatever, but before that even happened, you would have been aware energetically that they've checked out. Mm, That's so true. We don't often have language around that, do we? But we know the feeling when it happens. Exactly, exactly. For me, the 
first energy that's available, um, or I should say the first language that's available is energetic. And we just haven't been taught to prioritize that. And that's what I'd like to change. Because what tends to happen is we get the awareness, we pick up the energetic uh, correspondence, if you like, or energetic awareness. And then we go into rational thinking. And sometimes, if not always, that gets in the way. Mm. It's when we actually first learned language, isn't it? Because the mm. words take over the, the, all those things we felt as a baby growing until we get to the place where we can speak and we understand words. Um, and we somehow, over time, we disconnect ourselves from that inner knowing of, of the energy as you talk about it and the words that are used. Exactly. I mean, I always say to my kids, it's like, great, ask someone a question, but when they answer it, listen to the energetic response. And yes, of course, you're listening to the words, but really what's going to tell you the truth is the energetic response. So if, you know, if you've got a, a um, person working for you and you say, hey, could you get this done by, you know, two weeks? And they go, yeah, yeah, no worries. The, and the words are saying that, but the energy is like, I don't really want to do this or oh, that's going to be a struggle for me, then you know you've got the energetic awareness and then you can say, actually, you know what? Um, what I'd love you to do is da-da-da-da instead, you know, and mm -hmm. so you're not going to give that task to them because energetically you've already got the answer. There's going to be an issue. There's going to be delays. There's going to be a problem showing up and you know what? I'm choosing ease. But what we tend to yeah. do is go, okay, they said that. And then when they don't do it by the time frame, then you go into judgment of them because they said they were going to do it. And more importantly, yeah. you go into judgment of you because you'll hear yourself going, I knew it. <laughs> 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 and what I'm saying is, let's not get to that point. Let's just get to the point where when you ask the question, you get the energy and you go, great, okay, not choosing that. Yeah. How often have we said, uh, oh, I knew that was going to happen, but yeah. we don't. That's, the two, the well, dots, we haven't yeah. been taught that really it's the language we, of energy that we need to listen to first. The rest can be uh, deceitful. The rest can actually not be congruent. And, um, and, and when it is congruent, you can tell too. You know, you've heard people talking and when the energy matches the, what they're saying or their body language is matching the energy and their vocals are matching the energy, you, you get it. And, mm. um, but what, where we get confused is that we, we listen to the words first and then we have the you know, contradictory perhaps, um, energetic saying they're not going to be able to do that on time and we go for the, well, they said they would versus the actual energy because the one thing is energy never lies ever, whereas people do because <laughs> so, mm. they might have really wanted yeah. to get that done for you in two weeks. They might have really, you know, they, they could have, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're mean people or they, you know, they might not even have known. They, you know, mm. they could be delusional thinking, yes, I can do that. Yes, yes, and, and don't want to think too deeply. It's just something they can put off for two weeks before they have to do with it <laughs> <Exactly>. again. <laughs> but um, having that, thank you for helping share that. It, it just reminds me of many times in my life where I didn't have a name for it, but I, I really get the impact of it. Now, Grace, today we said we're going to talk about some um things like joy and laughter yeah. and because of that energy that we both felt last week mm. um, you mentioned that it's the antidote of pain and suffering can you say some more about that yeah absolutely you know joy laughter um, and judgment for example can't coexist 
and joy and healing, you know, they coexist. Joy and gratitude, laughter and gratitude, um, they exist. So if you actually get that, if you're in a situation where your world's become very, um, you know, you're suffering a trauma or, or some sort of problem, chances are there's not a lot of joy in that moment. We tend to make whatever it is very, very significant. Now, I'm not taking away from, you know, if you're going through an incredible traumatic experience or something terrible, I'm not saying, oh, just laugh, just bring joy in. That's not what I'm saying. I thoroughly agree with you. I am so sorry. If you're hurting right now, I am truly sorry. What I have noticed, though, is when you're ready and able to, if you bring in the energy of joy and the energy of laughter, and that's not to diminish or make light of your suffering or what you're going through. It's just an additive to that. It can actually open up your brain so you're not in trauma brain, so you're not in survival brain, and you have then access to you know the frontal um, a part of your brain where you can see and perceive things, and then, of course, even greater than that, you know, tune into your awareness. Whereas if you're in the real suffering without being open to other energies, all you have access to is that suffering. And um, it's really tricky to get out of it. And, you know, if you don't do that, then what can happen is that you just go on a spiral down even further. Mm. You know, that that reminds me, I recall when my dad, um, he was about 86 and he just not long, a few months before, had lost my mum. And he said he sometimes felt so down that he went into the bathroom and, and he closed all the doors in case a neighbour thought he'd gone crazy but he, he said he looked in the mirror and just made himself laugh, like really belly laugh. Wow. And he, yeah, I know. And he said it always lifted his spirit. And yeah. I, I, I think that's one of those times when you know that you've got a choice of going down the, that's, <laughs> down the spiral. Yeah, mm. that's a beautiful example. So he's not laughing at his grief. He's not laughing at the fact that he's lost a very dear loved one. He's not laughing to make light of the fact someone so dear to him is no longer physically with him, he's recognising if I don't do something, I know there's a a negative spiral that's going to happen and so I'm going to take action and for him it was looking at himself and laughing and, you know, beautiful. We've talked about, you know, uh, you know, personally, between the two of us, laughter yoga and um, and just how you know that's why we go and see comedy shows. That's why, you know, first responders have dark a dark sense of humour to cope with, and they're not making light of the tragedy. They're just recognising we need a different energy here. Otherwise, we're not going to make it through. We're not going to be able to survive. And what mm-hmm. I'm saying is more than that. If you don't bring in these energies you're going to struggle with coming back up above, you know, water and um, going into thriving. And the other thing is true that if you bring in these energies, you're going to have so much more ease in actually um, recovering and and then getting to that thriving. Because when you bring in um, joy and laughter heal, they just heal. Mm. And they heal the planet too. Absolutely. And that's you mentioned laughter yoga. Well, they say it has the same effect as um, pranayama breathing in yoga. And exactly what you're talking about, it, it changes the physiology in our bodies because it reduces the cortisol levels exactly. and the stress. And it, yeah, and it, proves, it improves our mood and energy levels. So that helps as, us as well to get to a more positive mindset. 
Yeah, but it's really important though that if you're seeing someone hurting, you know, you know, you'll naturally want to, you know, jump in there and save them and and maybe even suggest these things. But it, I really wish to say that if someone's truly in the suffering stage where it's never going to end, um, you know, there's this sense of absolute hopelessness. The interesting thing about that energy is validation. So to, the best thing you can do when someone's truly in that suffering where they can't see a way out, they, they, they want to convince you there is no choice. If, you, if they're saying you don't understand, mm. then what you've got to actually do is validate them to say, wow, it sounds like you're having a really hard time. I'm really sorry that's happening for you. And then what that does is it takes away their resistance. They're allowed to drop into what's true for them with the suffering. And then at the time that works for them, and it could be immediately, as soon as you validate, that can be enough. Mm. And then they'll go into the next stage of healing, which is actually looking outside and being willing to receive um, some kind of help, but still not fully engaging in receiving um, the one thing I've, I've noticed personally, but I've also now experienced it in literature as well, that when you're at these early stages of suffering, you can't actually change. There isn't enough energy available to your physical body and your field to just snap out of it, get out of it. Come on, you know, let's go. Yeah. Let's go for a bike ride. Let's, you know, cheer up. You know, you got, or the worst thing, you know, you want to hear is like, oh, you know, is that the last thing you can worry about? Like, you know, there's so many people worse off than you, you know, total invalidation yeah. of their trauma. And, um, yeah. you know, so, so you've really got to be very clear on where they are in the spectrum. And if they are at that lower level, then humor is not going to work. It's going to be seen as an absolute insult to their suffering. And they will separate from you. They will get angry at you. They will make you wrong. So, yeah, be careful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And same with you. And, well, and the, well, I was just going to ask, that's in relation to other people and observing their, themselves in some difficult place of sadness and whatever is going on, the pain for them. but Yeah, it's um, the same for, for you ourselves. as in out there. You, you guys out there, it's the same. When you're dealing it with, oh, it, with right. yourself, um, it's the same. Yeah. It's like, please don't. If you're, if you're truly in the suffering stage, validate it. Just say, I'm mm. having a really hard time right now. You know, I feel, yeah. I, well, I talk about the parts in trauma and, um, you know, the, the flower. And so when you're in the centre of the flower, you're, you're in your beingness. And generally speaking, if you're suffering, you've been hijacked by one of your disassociative or disenfranchised parts or petals, as I like to call them. And so if that's happening, what I suggest is saying, I have a part that's really struggling right now. I have a, or a petal, whichever way you want to say it. Um, I have a part that feels like it's never going to end. I have a part that is so convinced that this suffering is going to go on and never change. And, you know, you and so by saying it's a part, the first thing you're doing is acknowledging it's not you, whereas generally when we're in trauma, we, we use the I am so sad, I, I can't see a way out, it's never going to change for me. And, um, and, and what I'm saying is when you're actually being you, you don't have those feelings. You might have an awareness of, okay, I need to shift something or change something or choose something, but it doesn't have that wonk or weirdness to it if you mm. if you've got any confusion or any sort of argy-bargy going on or any sort of push or pull energy going on it's always a part 
that's disassociative and sometimes it can be two parts having a battle <laughs> as well. Ah, that's interesting. <laughs> From different experiences. Yeah. Just before you answer that, um, I, I was looking, I've been looking at um, things around trauma and and I realised that, you know, it's, it's a word that we can throw out there loosely. But the more and more I read and research and listen to and um, Dr. Gabor Mate talks about it a lot and he's been interviewing a lot of specialists, medical specialists and others mm-hmm. who have been working in this area for many, many years. And um, there was one the other day saying, you know, the science is already out there, but it's not taught in medical schools. And he's saying that even diabetes is a result of trauma passed um, passed down, basically. It's multi-generational. And yeah. So, and, and I... You know, it, it can sound a little bit oh, kitsch or whatever, but, you know, that thing around we don't yet acknowledge, you know, the dictionary says it's an emotional shock producing a lasting effect. Mm. So, you know, when you think about it like that, it really does need to be front and centre about, well, is there something that's happened that I have somehow parked onto a petal somewhere um, but it's continuing to impact me. Yeah, it's the lasting change element, isn't it? And, um, you know, I remember that movie, Robin Williams' movie, I think, uh, pa- uh, Patch Adams. And, um, you know, he, he's a doctor that just brings in laughter because you realise that, you know, the healing that happens, and that's why we have the clowns in hospitals now. There's There's a recognition, but gee, I'd love it to be, you know, in the medical schools as well as mainstream school. You know, to be actually taught um, that, you know, you can do a superhero stance and that will actually change the energy. Um, You know, you can actually be productive and proactive to change your state. You know, a lot of people kind of get it the wrong way around because if you change your state, then everything else falls into place. Whereas what we tend to do Mm. is just put so much weight and significance on the suffering, um, which is important at the first stage. But then it goes into that more dysfunctional story that we then just keep recreating the trauma with it. Mm. And I hate to say this, Greg, but <laughs> me, me and my project manager's hat on. I love that hat of yours. It keeps me in line. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's that thing, as I've said, our life is like our biggest project we'll ever yeah, do. It so is. It, this talk brings me back to, well, what do we think life is all about and why am I here? So if we get caught up in particular events and things that happen, um, then that becomes like a survival of life or, or something, doesn't it? Rather than if we consider, well, what are we here for? Is yeah. it to grow? Is it to experience things? Is it to, um, I don't know. Anyway, perhaps well, that's the, another the more, podcast, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the more and more, uh, I mean, this is just my personal because I, I had a car accident and died and, and had an experience with that death. And um, what I know for, for me is that it's about joy and laughter. It's, it's actually to have a good time. And, you know, and that's, again, very, it can sound very flippant to somebody who's hurting, you know, all and well, Grace, for you to say have a good time when I've just lost my child or you know, my business is crumbling or I can't, I can't afford to pay my staff anymore. I get it. You know, it's not, again, it's about recognising, you know, say you're an Olympic athlete 
you know, there's things that you can choose, whether it's sports medicine, whether it's, you know, energy drinks that are scientifically, you know, perfect for your body. And, and there's so many things you can do to assist you being the best you can be. And so if you're going through trauma, whether it's a loss of a loved one or financial trauma or whatever it is, please know that there are things that you can take, there's things that you can do, there's things that you can choose to make that easier for you. Because thinking about it, getting rational about it, getting fearful about it, all that's going to do is put you into survival brain and will add to your trauma versus, okay, how can I have fun with this court case? And that might just blow people's minds because, you know, it's almost an insult to the um, the process of court. And you're not saying, how can I have fun with this judge or how can I have fun with the system? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you recognise you have to do court, you recognise it might be stressful, you recognise that you could easily go into trauma brain about it and that's not going to help you. So what fun and joy can I bring in? It might be wear a joyful, um, you know, a joyful scarf or a handkerchief that no one sees but it's your perfect you know it's a color or your perfume that brings joy to you or it might be you know listen to some jokes beforehand so you're not in that fearful everything's going to go wrong and um, wanting to fight and wanting to um, you know the the polarity of winners and losers instead of coming in with joy and creation and generation and yes, the absolute present with presence with the significance of whatever that court case is, um, but you're not coming in it with this denseness and fear and um, survival brain. So it's does that make sense? Like I, I just it's not well, to insult the yeah. actual problem. No, I think it's for me. I understand exactly that it's we're not trying to diminish um, exactly what the experience is, but. It's my experience that sometimes we can use laughter as a distraction. Yes. Correct. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, and again, this is about recognising the energy. And you know, you guys know when someone laughs, if it's, if, if it's genuine, because you get the energy of it. And so some people will use it as a distraction. And sometimes it's actually a, a healthy choice. And what I be, mean by that is um, sometimes to just have a giggle at something, whether it's in, inside your head, <laughs> uh, mm. you know, inside giggle, uh, or whether it's just to laugh outside, um, can actually be a good thing. It can be a nice distraction, as long as you're not lying to yourself. And, um, and, and if you're seeing someone else laugh that way, um, just recognise that that might be a coping mechanism for them. They might be disassociating um, from not wanting to see what you've, you know, provided to them or whatever it is. Mm. Yeah, well, that, you know, I remember they used to say that, um, I understand it's a myth, but they, they used to say that it takes more muscles to frown than to smile, but that's, a plastic surgeon says that's actually not true. <laughs> it takes 12 to do a true smile and 11 to frown. But anyway, regardless of those numbers, you know, I think what we're saying is that it, if, you, if you can smile, it helps um, convey that important message that it makes us feel happier yeah and and the brain doesn't know the difference so if you're having a hard time just doing a smile even if you're faking it the body is going to think oh we're smiling you know this is this is not a stressful situation so um you know yeah you can use smiling to your advantage and laughter yoga to your advantage and like your dad you know looking in the mirror and laughing as he did 
Um, you know, th- yeah. these are techniques that we can do, um, but we don't think in that moment. Um, we tend to just think life is happening to us and we have more choice than that. We can actually create and generate greater than our suffering. Mm. I, I like it when you say you've often told me about, well, thinking is not your awareness. Yeah, no, um, it's not. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, well, you know, I always say to my friends and family that um, clients as well that um, we we have wrongly been indoctrinated that we need to think to choose something. Whereas, you know, that gut feeling that just arrives without any thought, that one that goes, yep, I knew that would happen or I knew that that wouldn't work out. It didn't need words. It didn't need thinking. It just instantly dropped in that awareness, that clear awareness. And what is happening more and more, you know, I remember after I um, left a domestic violence relationship, I thought my gut was faulty. (laughs) I thought something, I'd broken it. And because uh, I, you know, I made choices that weren't the best choice and uh, or greatest, greatest choice. And the counsellor said to me, no, your gut can't be perpetrated on. It's not possible. And I was like, what? <laughs> and what I realised is, yeah, when you've been hijacked by a part or you're in trauma, you don't have access to your gut. Your gut's fine. Your gut can never be broken or abused by a perpetrator or become malfunctioned. It's ever-knowing it's always got the answers and you don't need to think to connect to it. In fact, thinking d- takes you away from it. It separates you from it. And, um, but, yeah, when you're in trauma, you can, the connection to it can be um, tricky or totally um, cut off depending on your trauma. Yeah. Uh, Dr. John Sarno talks about that in the mind-gut connection. Ah. Um, yeah, I know. It's, it's, there's a lot of science around now, as well, in that now they're talking about it, but so unfortunately good. not in mainstream yet. Where So it may still appear a little woo-woo to some people, but it's actually not. It is science-based um, around that too. So, And, and we know but, it ourselves. You know, you don't need to have the science to tell you that you've had those experiences where you just had that gut feeling, that gut knowing. Yeah. And that when yep, you do laugh, you feel better. You know, you oh, don't need to read a study. It's it's um, when you have a good laugh, even if you're going through hell, it just it just makes your day better. When you see someone smile at you or giggle, when you see a baby giggle, you know, or see young kids screaming because they're having so much fun, it there is an energetic <laughs> generativeness there that's available. But we think mm. that if we're suffering, we can't have that. And it's just Tell not true. Tell me what you mean. You, you say, um, what do you mean by will it? You know, will it create greater in your world? You talk about asking that question sometimes. Do you mean in general or in relation to laughter? No. Well, whatever. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I was thinking in general. general. You know, like when when something comes up for you. Yeah. Um, well, you know, no matter what is happening around you, whether it's someone saying something or you're looking at something. We tend to go on autopilot. So if we see something we don't like, we want to separate from it. And um, for example, um, you know, say there's this amazing painter who, who's just got an incredible talent, but they're just a, not a very nice person. Say they uh, lie, lie and cheat. You know, say they're having an affair and they'll continue to have an affair. But yet they're... Uh, their artwork is exquisite and their artwork 
if you had it in your home, would just generate and create and make your place shine and sparkle. But what we tend to do is we go, well, okay, I, I'm separating from I don't like the look of him or I don't like the way he spoke to such and such, so I'm going to close myself off to everything that that person offers. And, uh, and it's important to, to get that sometimes the most horrible person can give you the most amazing awareness that will change your life. You know, like I'll never forget I was contemplating um, leaving my husband and um, I was taking the baby for a walk in the pram and um, and it was just this real, I was scared and um, I felt really alone and I just prayed to God and I just said, please just give me some advice. You know, sh- uh, should I stay? Should I leave? I'm so confused. And I saw this, um, I was on like a boardwalk and um, there was this guy quite quite in the distance and it was obvious from the way he walked and his gesturing he was he was um, either schizophrenic or or incredibly drunk or some, there was some kind of you know watch out this is a force that you know you don't want to engage with it was just it seemed very unstable and so people were getting out of the way and he's sort of you know yelling things at people and and I found myself going just look away you know because I was breastfeeding at that time um, I had just stopped on a park bench when I was taking um, Bubby for a walk. And um, so I'm breastfeeding. I'm kind of stuck there. So I just thought, okay, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just ignore it. I'll just separate from, from him. Mm. And then as he's walking past me, he stops right in front of me. And I just don't look up because I'm so scared. <laughs> and he said, I can't remember his exact words, but it was, it's okay for you to leave. Really? Yep. And he just kept walking and I just was like, what? Oh, my hat. And that was the first time I just – I apologised to him energetically. But what had happened was I didn't like what I was seeing. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't like this because I was in this violent relationship. Anything that was yelling and gesturing just, just triggered me. So mm. I, I was in freeze, basically. I was just on the, on the seat, just frozen. Now I know that, but back then I didn't know that. I was triggered. I didn't know mm. I disassociated. I didn't know <laughs> these things. And mm. um, I just, I was just, in my mind, I was just, okay, here's an unstable person and just ignore him. Yeah. Now, that, that one thing gave me the courage to leave my husband. Mm from the most Mm. unlikely source so this is where choosing greater might mean listening to a drunk or listening to you know or buying a painting from someone who had made choices like an affair that you wouldn't choose to have a friend that does that for example or whatever you however you choose to separate from people and so what I say is don't separate it doesn't mean you have to choose the artwork or choose to have dinner with them or choose to hire them but you don't want to separate from the good the bad and the ugly of them a, because if they are going to hurt you, you need to get that information and separating from them is not going to allow you to have that information. Um, but, you know, it's so, – so that's – for me, choosing greater is recognising that when, when they say A, you don't need to say B. We don't need to live on this autopilot of, oh, that I'm seeing something I don't like, separate. Um, I'm seeing something I don't like, push it away. Um, these are all these automated responses that we tend to – just do without thinking and so if if that moment I saw that guy now I would actually be in question is it okay for me to keep breastfeeding I would just be Mm -hmm. I'd ask that question 
And then I would yeah. have got the energy of it's safe. And yeah. then when he came, I would be probably looking at him and it just would have been a completely different experience. But luckily, I was still able to receive that information from him. Absolutely. You know, I've known you for a long time and I know, you know, some of the um, experiences you've had and how you have made choices about creating greater. And one of the things that I just love about you is that you actually do follow the energy. I mean, you really do walk your talk. I do. (laughs) And I guess just an example from me is that you've never put me under pressure, you know, now being a project manager and my learned way of being. Um, which has which value, is, incredible value. Which it absolutely yeah. does and there's a time and a place, I know that. Exactly. But, but you have given me a look at it doesn't have to be look a certain way all the time. And I love the fact that you've actually, like I know I want to be in a certain place at a certain time on a project, say, mm-hmm. but sometimes a different path can create greater. But if, yeah. we're, if we think we have to do it a certain way, one of the things is even just doing these podcasts, I guess, you don't. You just say, okay, if it doesn't suit now, you know. Yeah, that's fine. Follow the energy. We'll, yeah. we'll do it. But, you know, the irony of it is that we've <laughs> actually done more than we originally yeah. thought. And we, <laughs> True and story. So, <laughs> absolutely. So, you know, that's been a big aha moment for me about um, getting out of I suppose just um, getting out of my own way and uh, just asking a better question, is it going to create greater if I do it now or should I just suck it up and make make these other things in my life work? Um, so interesting. So thank you for... Yeah, well, for me it's about, um, you know, I, I say to people that structure is important. You know, if you're building a house, you don't want to put a roof on the ground. You know, you need the foundation first and, well, before that you need to sort of sort out the land. So that's where that project manager things, it's vital to keep things mm. going, you know. But when uh, something like this, it's like there's a structure in that we know how long we approximately want to talk for. Um, we know that um, we're inviting people to, a, you know, to what we see and um, to generate a greater world. So there's, you know, and it's coming out as a, as a podcast. So there's a, there's a form and structure around it. But then in between that, um, it's like music, you know, there's this space and, and um, this freedom of meandering and allowing um, yourself to be where, wherever you're meant to be and doing whatever you're meant to be doing at that time rather than thinking and stinking, you know, like it has to be this way. <laughs> mm. Oh, gosh, that in itself releases cortisol into our <laughs> bodies, oh, you know, no. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I think they say, you know, with, with partnerships, it's like when the girl says to the guy, um, oh, no, honey, um, can you come back, like, what time are you coming home? Because I just want to talk to you about something. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's the most unkind thing that a woman or a man can say to their partner. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh gosh, that oh, doesn't make you want to laugh. It, it <laughs> it's not fair, is it? I know. Well, Grace, I, I really enjoyed talking with you about that, and thanks. You've lightened my world as well, given me something else on the supermarket shelf to choose. <laughs> what do you think about some home plays? Laugh more. Um, actually, mm. if you're willing to. Make a, you know, make a um, a choice to do something funny or experience something funny 
whether it's tell yourself some jokes or stand in the front of the mirror and laugh or, you know, put your superhero cape on. Um, just bring some actual joy into your life. You know, one of the things, if I said to you, um, tell me 10 things that aren't working for you that you don't like about your body, you know, it'll be like, oh, you know, 10, I've got like 5,000 I can give you, you know, whereas if I said to you, what brings you joy? Write a list. Mm. It's kind of like, huh? Oh, and isn't that insane? <laughs> like, so I think mm. your home play can be, and so I shouldn't say I think, <laughs> mm. um, how about your home play is write a list of say 10 or 20 things that bring you joy and do one of them a week at least. And if you can do some of the easy ones once a day, and as I said, that could just be laughing, you know, as you're getting changed, just say, okay, every time I'm going to get changed today, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to laugh. You know, or um, as soon as I get in the car, I'm just going to start laughing. <laughs> Whatever, just to bring more joy. And you'll notice that that will change your biochemistry. That'll change your very beingness. And also, it will, it, well, I shouldn't say change your beingness. Your beingness is your beingness, but it will connect you. You'll spend more time in your beingness than off on a petal worrying and thinking and having petals have a, a fight as you're driving. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, yes, change well, the energy I and change that. your life. <laughs> oh, yes, that's a great saying to remember, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, especially now in these times of the pandemic, and it's hard to laugh these days. And well, this uh, is what I was can, meaning. It, there's yeah. a feeling of like it's it's actually not okay to laugh because it's so bad. And what I'm saying yeah. is, now more than ever, laugh. Now more than ever, do something to bring you joy, make you giggle, and smile. Even if you're not feeling like you want to smile, smile and that will help the, the body chemistry now more than ever. Absolutely, because with everything that's going on with media and everything else, we can start to imagine a place in which everything is unpleasant or bad. So yeah, that's releasing a lot of cortisol, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, how much joy can you have? How much fun could you have? Um, and actually be willing to receive that. In the face of your your sadness and your upset, be willing to bring in the energies of joy and laughter. It will change your world. It will change your world yeah. when you're ready. Well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Grace, very much. I look forward to uh, talking with you again next week. And- yes, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> okay, so keep your giggle on this week as much as possible. Take care, everyone. Bye.